Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Gabriel, and this is what we're calling Man to Man for our Christchurch Men Facebook page. And for anybody listening to this in the podcast or watching this on YouTube, welcome to the second episode of What a Curious Idea. My first guest, officially, praise the Lord, is <laughs> Mr. Steve Allen, our... Uh, a local pastor and uh, minister of benevolence. And what else, Steve? What else do you do for Christ Church? My title is pastor of groups, group life and discipleship. And benevolence is a part of that um, as of January of this year. So I was kind of assisting with that before then. So it's kind of my title doesn't quite describe what I do totally. And that's okay. Okay. What are some of the other jobs that you do? Well, um, well, working with men, I mean, the, the whole discipleship gamut for me and discipleship for me means <clears throat> um, developing folks that have a desire and a heart to uh, follow Christ and his teachings. And so I do that you know, with groups and develop small groups. Uh, I do that with uh, both men's groups and then co-ed groups. I help the women with their groups when they need it. And, um, and then I try to help folks that just want one-on-one -on -one guidance. Um, and then, gosh, uh, everything above, uh, we do marriage mentoring, uh, which is a facet of that. Um, yeah. And even the benevolence, it's a kind of a holistic idea of we don't just help them you know, if they need food, we don't just give them food. We try to develop a relationship with them so we can kind of help them uh, uh, fix whatever's broken financially mm. um, and um, and then hopefully be able to be there for them, especially during these times with COVID, deal with, you know, a lot of the emotional and spiritual turmoil associated with folks getting laid off from their jobs and, you know, different things like that. So. It's kind of a little bit of all of the above. Yeah, I hear you. So <clears throat> as far as the benevolence stuff is concerned, I we had a whole plan on where we were going to start, but this is just happened to be where we are. Yeah. Um, you, when you talk about the benevolence and building relationships with these folks, uh, for for people who don't really understand, uh, like this is how it's always been presented for me, is that churches do what the state can't, right? So the state can't feed these people and provide them housing. So the church, do we kind of take that responsibility on ourselves uh, as part of the fellowship? Or is that something that seems just can't be provided? Do you try to do your best to do it or not? My own personal beliefs are that God created, <clears throat> part of the reason why God created the church um, to be an expression of him and to be his hands and feet, if you will. Yeah. And it kind of starts at the church, and then the church is made up of all of those people that follow him. And so, um, you know, it, uh, God created the church to primarily, beyond worshiping him and loving him, to, uh, to meet the needs and to help those that are less fortunate, um, for those that... Uh, uh, are in prison for those that are uh, widows, um, for those that just have have had a bad luck in life, if you will, you know. Right. 
And, um, and so uh, I believe that that is one of the primary roles of the church. And um, I also believe that that's something that the church has um, allowed for the state to step in and to take over. But I don't believe that's the way God ever intended it. And so I don't see it as us kind of filling in the blank for the government. I see this as one of our primary roles that we have uh, really not fully um, functioned in as the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the church collectively all over the country, all over the world. Um, it's a responsibility that we've fallen back on at least at least the last century or so. So that's my opinion. That's good. That's good. Uh, you said you were also building relationships with these folks that were helping. Um, are you requiring them to be members of Christ Church? Oh, never. We, we, we never do that. We, we never ask them to be like us. We never, there's not a criteria that they have to pass. You know, we don't, um, we don't even, some churches, and I'm not knocking this, but some churches will, you know, uh, sit them down and talk to them um, about God and about Jesus and stuff. And once again, I'm not knocking that, but we don't do that. Uh, for us, it's, uh, we help folks because um, that's the model we have uh, in Jesus. And um, Jesus always took people right where they were at. He didn't expect for them to be like him. And, and he helped them with their physical needs. And many times that then um, allowed for him to talk to them on a deeper level about their spiritual or emotional needs. And that's the model that we try to have. So no, they don't have to be a member of Christ church um, or, or anything. So. That's good. That's good. Um, I know I've heard the, uh, the pastors and some of the leadership of the church talk about how giving is, has kind of declined since this pandemic has started. But what I've noticed in response to that mm -hmm. is that the gifts that people are giving through their tithe, right? When this is what people recognize the tithe to be, uh, what they're, what, as I understand it, the church is consolidating those tithes and focusing strictly on benevolence and providing for the staff that it could keep. Is, is that a good assumption or is that not what's going on? Well, uh, as far as the church, like in America gets maybe down, but at Christ church, uh, um, giving is not down and God has oh, really, yeah, is not. And God has blessed this church greatly. Um, and, uh, and folks continue to give generously. And that's what allows us God blessing folks and then, uh, leading them to give so that others can be blessed through their, through their giving. That whole mentality has allowed for us to just do some, amazing things in, in folks' lives. And, uh, and so um, um, for us, it's, you know, it's not a matter of giving going down, it's gone up. So. That's awesome. Yeah, That's, it, if I can say just a bit, I think part of that reason, honestly, I think that folks want to be a part of something that matters and that's making a difference in people's lives. And yeah. I know for me, that is huge for me and my wife, Laura, at Christ Church, um, the leadership that Greg and Keith uh, have laid out in our elders, um, you know, God's just doing things that I've never seen in my life. 
and at Christ Church. And as other people see that, they want to be a part. And so when they hear the stories about lives being changed and uh, single moms who are struggling that we help or widows that we help or whoever it may be, I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times that encourages people to want to be a part of that and then to want to give towards that because they know the money's not just paying for an electric bill. It's not just paying for, you know, uh, a, a building, but it's paying to make a difference in people's lives. And, and I think that's part of the reason um, why that for us giving has gone out. That's so cool, dude. I, I just, I, I've always, uh, my wife and I talk about this a lot, Elise and I. We talk about how we've always wanted to be, you're right, we've always wanted to be a part of a church that gives abundantly, right? We feel like that's a fulfillment of the scripture. Um, and we feel like that's just the way that, that we feel like that's what God asked us to do, right? Take what we have that he has given us in the first place and give it back to him by giving it to his, giving it to his babies who exactly. need it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's good, man. That's awesome. Um, we've talked about a little bit about, you mentioned that your official title is discipleship and, and group life. Um, how has that dynamic changed with the COVID and has it just gotten stronger or do you think that the groups have gotten maybe a little weaker? Like what, what's your perspective from the church view of how it's, it's flock, if you will, is coming together through all this. Well, my experience is that for us, you know, if, if we were to be talking in January, the idea of a pandemic, of, of shelter in place, of having to wear masks, none of that would have come up, even though it was going on in other places in the world, that more than likely would not have come up at all. <clears throat> and so for, for all of us, it, it took everyone off guard. and. Um, we had to scramble somewhat to uh, to change the to, to be a part of the changing paradigm of the church during this time period with COVID. But the thing about that is, is it was no surprise to God. God knew what was coming up, and God had been working in in us, uh, in our leaders, in in our, you know our pastors, our staff. Um, and in our members to prepare us for for this. And so it's not as much of that we had to recreate everything is we just had to kind of follow God's lead. And um, not to be super spiritual there or anything like that, that's, that's just the way I see things like this. And so <clears throat> the relationships that our groups already had in place mm-hmm. are so deep in so many cases that, uh, you know, that those groups didn't miss a beat, especially those ones that have been going on for, you know, a year or, you know, in some cases, 10 years. And some of those groups have been going that long and even longer. So those relationships were already there. And that just made our groups, the majority of our small groups, it, it made them want to reach out to each other, want to, you know, made them willing to get online and figure out zoom and, and because they just wanted to, they missed those folks and wanted to be able to see them and still interact with them, even if it's over, you know, uh, the computer versus in person. And so I don't think that it has been a, it has done anything in a negative way. I think it's allowed our 
our folks to go deeper um, in their faith and allowed for our groups to be stronger and allowed some relationships. I know for me, there's numerous relationships. Well, Gabe, and you're, you and Elise are one of those that we just had a little bit of a layer of a relationship. And during this time, you know, uh, and reacting to what's going on, man, it's allowed for us and our relationship to get even deeper and tighter and build because of COVID. And that's a positive. And I've seen that all across in the church and in our groups and so forth and so on. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm blown away. I really am. Um, Join the club, man, because it's, it's been amazing to see what how God has been at work. So, indeed, it's you know when I talk to other guys and gals, you know that even outside of the church, I hear them talking a lot about how people are just so much kinder when they're walking around their neighborhoods because people are just getting out more. Yeah. Um, they're walking around and you know getting some vitamin D out of the sun and everything. Uh, so, but yeah, people are just getting nicer, and it's it's. We hope that it stays that way, but yeah, for you know, sure. that for a Christian like you and I, and yes. for some of the people listening, you know, it's, that's just proof of God's love and God's work Yeah, uh, for other people. They just don't understand it. And I think that this might help people start asking some questions. Well, I sure hope so. Yeah. So I know that for me, um, when I first started coming to Christ church, one of the biggest things that I noticed the first thing that I noticed was how welcoming everybody was. And, you know, I'm 34 years old and wow, that's old. yeah, I'm, I'm wise. I have a hair of wisdom and everything, but, uh, <laughs> the, um, I went to the early service, which was, I think at the time still acapella yes. and it was still really, you know, quiet and serene and elder, if you will. Uh, there were a lot of folks that were a little bit, older that were still super welcoming. And that was really the first impression of Christ Church. So is that something, being a staff member, is that something that Christ Church wanted to focus on? Was just being welcoming to whomever showed up? Or was it something along the lines of, you know, attraction rather than promotion? Well, um, so Laura and I have been at Christ Church for, I don't know, maybe six five years now, six years. And Christ Church was actually South Mac Church of Christ um, and was founded back decades ago. And okay. so, um, so for me to be able to say, you know, this is how that worked, you know, it's kind of, I don't know that I know. This is what I've experienced that, yeah, there are things that are in place. We have greeters, we have guys in the parking lot. We have um, different programs that were built to make mm-hmm. people feel welcome. But um, man, I've been to churches before that have the same thing. And there's just something different about Christ Church. And, and so I don't think that you have something like what we have at Christ Church by programming for it. I think I think that the spirit at that church and the folks that make up that church, and you spoke about some of those uh, senior adults that are in that first service. Man, yeah. I really feel like so many of them have uh, set that legacy up of Christ Church being 
an extremely welcoming church. And that has gone into their, into their kids and their kids' kids and, you know, all that sort of thing. And, and then that mentality has just been a contagious one. So now it's a part of our culture. Um, I don't think we have to try to be friendly. I think that that's the culture of the church, that we're friendly, that we're open, that we're welcoming, that we, we take people just like Jesus did. He, we, we, we accept people just as they are. And, um, and that seems to mean a tremendous amount to people week in and week out to come and visit. And, um, you know, you experience it, you least experience it. Laura and I experienced it on our, on our first Sunday. And that made yeah. us want to come back. So You're right. That, that welcoming air. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's just interwoven. It's a part of the fabric of the church's being. And I think that's, uh, what really attracted us for it. You know, we came from a mega church here in Dallas. Yes. Um, I'm not going to give them a free shout out, but we came from a mega church and they did a good job of shrinking it and being group focused. But you know, it's like six strangers trying to figure out how to be yeah. loving to each other. And that's something different about walking into a church and no one who knows you walking up and shaking your hand and saying, welcome, this is my name. This is my family. Right. We'd love to have coffee with you, but no pressure. Right. So I, I think that's what it, the no pressure, I think, is what really kept Elise and I coming back. Yeah. So um, how did you start working for Christ Church? Like, was it just a conversation or did you decide, you know what, I'm going to apply to work here and see what happens? Now that That is a long story. But I <laughs> well, we've got time. Uh, well, I won't go into it all, but... Um, I was in the ministry uh, for about 15 or 16 years, primarily youth ministry. And I left the ministry for different reasons in 2000 and started working in retail management um, until I went to work for the city of Arlington in um, 2008. And I worked for them up until I came on staff at Christ Church. But during that time, I had a tremendous amount of spiritual upheaval. Um, I call it my, um, my, my dark, my, I had darkness in my life and, uh, yeah, where I, okay. I from God and I was, um, angry with God for a lot of reasons and, um, long story short, uh, um, after a lot of changes happened in my life, I finally gave up and turned back to him. And one of the things that when that happened that I felt him wanting me to do was to work with the homeless. Um, and so through one of our local churches, um, First Baptist Church, I started working with the homeless in downtown Dallas. And, um, and then digging into his word, I felt him telling me to do that and just several things like that. And that just worked over, over a couple of year period. Uh, he was, developing me, um, growing me, and in some ways, I would use the term restoring me. Although I'm not the man I used to be, uh, he, he took me and, man, I don't even know how to describe it, so I won't, I won't go off there. But I will say that um, one of the things that uh, I began to do working with other folks was uh, working even deeper with the homeless community here in Irving. 
And uh, we began to uh, create some, uh, started a Bible study, a local homeless ministry. Uh, there was a weekly Bible study. We started to do some support type groups for some of our homeless. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then just, so the whole idea of discipling folks was something that was, to me, that's what God has, uh, that's what all of us are supposed to be doing. And so that's what I was doing um, just as a way of life while I was working with this, the city of Arlington full time. And um, started to feel at a point where um, that maybe God was leading me back into ministry. Um, and that freaked me out, really freaked me out, um, because I thought that that time in my life was over. And so um, I uh, actually met Greg for Greg Beecham, um, one of our co-pastors for yeah. lunch. Um, and Greg went through an extended period of time, uh, I think a decade or so, where he had left the ministry and was working in the, you know, quote unquote, secular world. And, um, and then came back into ministry to serve at Christ Church. Yeah. And, um, and so I felt like if there's anyone that could relate to my feelings, that it was him. And so we met for lunch. I kind of poured it out to him and um, he helped me with that and helped me kind of work through that. And that same day, about three o'clock in the afternoon, he gave me a call um, and asked if I uh, would come and meet with him and Keith. Um, that freaked me out too. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah, called to the office by the pastors, you know. And, oh gosh, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, and Christchurch had gone through some staffing changes, and one of the positions they had opened up was the uh, groups and discipleship position. And they asked me, they, we talked for a while, and they asked me if they thought that that was something I could do and was interested in doing. And I definitely was. Um, and, um, and so I think Laura and I spent about a week, two weeks in prayer. Greg and Keith spent the same amount of time. They spoke to the elders, and mm -hmm. and that's when you know they asked me to come on staff. And so you know, it was it was not something that I was looking for or expecting for sure, and it was pretty surreal when it happened. Um, and these days, it, it continues to be that way sometimes. But um, but yeah, that's how I came on staff. That's awesome. That's awesome. It seems like everything just kind of fell into place and you didn't have to sacrifice too much. Well, um, yeah. And, but see, that, that goes back to what I was saying about the COVID thing. Mm -hmm. For me, it's just God had been working in mine and Laura's lives. And so when it came time for this to come on staff, it was just a natural step. And, 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 to me, you know, yeah, it was freaky to me. It was surreal to me, but it wasn't to God. And so um, it was just the next step on my journey with him. And, um, and, and so, so yeah, it, it, was, it was crazy in some ways, but in the end, God had his hand on it and had prepared us for it. And here we are. Here we are. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's crazy, dude. Um, but I love that. Uh, I love the idea that God kind of just makes it easier because you're right. He knows what's going on. Um, and for, you know, it, I think that that's one thing that speaking from my own experience, I know that that's one thing that was really hard for me to understand 
when I wasn't going to church and when I wasn't following Jesus, um, even just saying following Jesus today still kind of, you know, it kind of hurts, hurts me. But anyway, that isn't the point that I'm trying to make. Uh, So you got on staff and you started working there for for the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about the culture and the fabric of the, of the fellowship itself being so welcoming. What are your thoughts having been in ministry before that going through a 10 year, I think you said 10 year period where you weren't working in the ministry. It was uh, about 17 years. Oh, 17 years of not working in the ministry. Okay. So you had a 17 year gap, but in all your experience of working for the ministry now and before, what do you think God has done with church as a whole? And especially here in the DFW area, like what kind of growth do you see? Well, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, and you know me and know that I'm just, I don't mince words and yeah, man, be straight. So the way that, the way that I see it is that the church in America primarily has fallen back on its responsibilities. And if once again, if you'll forgive this reference, but, um, in revelations, uh, to, um, the word speaks about how a church lost its first love, how it was, was doing all of these different things and doing them well, but it had lost its love. And, um, and I see that as, as the church in America in a lot of ways and feel like that the church, um, in America, and I say in America simply because that's where I'm at. I don't I have no idea what's going right. on. Right. Yeah other places other than what I read, but um, that the church has um, has lost its love, has lost its um, heart for those that are, you know, that Jesus calls the least of these. Um, right. And um, that was, those were feelings that had started in me in the, in the late nineties when I was in ministry before. And I've seen that really play out in the last 17 years and now 20 years. And so, um, and, and Dallas is really no different than the rest of America. And uh, we hear a tremendous amount about, like we have Christian radio, we've got Christian movies, we've got Christian books, we've got this whole Christian industry and the church that's become almost like a bubble that we are focused on ourselves. And yet God, Jesus called for us to not to be focused on ourselves, but to be focused on those outside of the church and us. And of, of, of all people, um, I'll quote Pope Francis, who in one of his messages, he talks about how God draws us to himself so that then he can send us back out. Okay. Right. He gives so that we can give. Yeah, but more than just don't, I know you don't mean it this way, but don't want people to mistake that as being a money thing. That oh, is, no. you know, a lot of people would, would say that I give my money, I give my money to missions, so therefore I'm, you know, an evangelist. And that's can be further from what scripture teaches us and Jesus shows us. Right. And and so we're expected to go beyond our our homes, beyond our churches, 
into the neighborhoods and um, and reaching the multiple cultures we have that are just right around us in our everyday life. And the church has lost that. And Dallas has, the church in Dallas is no different. The church in Irving is no different. And I believe that God is, is um, in the process of bringing us back to uh, doing the things that, you know, that he wants us to do um, in a big way. Because, uh, you know, all, all of that stuff was happening before. I'm not saying that none of that, that we weren't doing anything to reach the lost, that we weren't in, anything to reach the poor. But it's not in most people's minds, in most Christians' minds. It's not, their, their thinking is not about, well, man, what about, have, do I even know if my next door neighbors have lost their jobs? You know, do I know oh, what yeah. struggles they're going through? You know, do I, yeah. you know, we live in a, in a zip code right now, 75061. Uh, that's one of the hardest hit in Dallas County for COVID. Do we know if there are families around us that have lost loved ones because, you know, they, they've had someone that's died from COVID? We don't know. We don't think about those things. We're so focused on ourselves and our own problems that that keeps us from being concerned about those folks the way that Jesus intended the church to be. And, um, and so I, for me, the difference between 17 years ago and now is more of a, just that, you know, I felt that way 20 years ago. I feel that way even, even more now is that calling us to be what he created the church to be. And that is to make a difference in people's lives. And um, and to get out of our bubble, to get out of our get out off our pew, to get out of our Sunday school classes, out of our small groups, and to yeah. get involved in people's lives, so we can bring the hope to them that He has brought to us. So. That's really interesting. Uh, I, I think that. I mean, I can share my opinion about it, but you know, we're here to talk to you, so it's things <laughs> it's it's things like that that. Uh, I could personally say that I agree with, you know, I, when I was lost in my addiction, nobody came out to me. Nobody reached out to me. Um, I had to, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing for anybody, right? That's not a knock on the churches. I wasn't going to church. No one knew I existed anyway. Right. But, you know, I, I heard of churches, which is good. I knew that God was there. Didn't like the idea, but you know, for, for somebody that's right on that edge, right? Right on the edge of, I know it's there and I know that there's something to it. God, that is. What, what do you think the church could do to better not market? Cause that's not the right word. I think that that would go against what you were just talking against, but be more attractive. Be, be a, a viable option for people that are like, look, I know what this God thing sort of is about, but I'm really just nervous. Well, I, I think it goes back to what we touched on a couple of times already. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's not about us doing things to attract people. Mm -hmm. It's if we generally have the desire to make a difference in people's lives and to get out of our comfort zones and to be the church in our neighborhoods, on our streets, um, at our workplace, 
um, people will see that difference and want to know why is your life different? People will come to church because they, I mean, people come to Christ church because they've heard about the things that we do in the community and, um, and they want to find out, you know, about this weird thing. I think that what we, what we do in the church a lot is we get caught up in distractions. And once again, not to be over spiritual, but this is the way I see it as a spiritual battle. And I believe that Satan does everything he can to distract us from what God intends for us to do. And, um, and so one of those big distractions without, I don't want to get into this very much, but yeah. one of those huge distractions these days is politics. Right. And, and so whatever our political leanings are, um, that has become our battle cry. Uh, conservative, Republican, liberal, um, progressive, whatever you call it, that becomes our battle cry. That becomes the ground that we fight on. That, that becomes what we jump into people's conversations and defend or attack. Um, and so what that has done is become a huge, huge distraction to the church. And so people, when they see us, they don't see us by our love as Christ calls. They see us based on our politics and based on our political leanings, based on uh, many times our judgmentalism. Um, and they see us based on those things. They do not see us on our love. And we try to, to use the term that I detest these days um, of uh, hating the sin and loving the sinner. The problem with that is we spend way too much time hating the sin and very little time really loving the sinner. Oh. And, and that is, uh, that's turned people off to the point that they don't want to have anything to do with our God. Um, and then I also think that, uh, Folks come in, and because we're in our bubbles, they come and they visit our churches. And um, we, we may welcome them, but we don't really welcome them. We don't help them to get connected and build relationships. And so because of that, they kind of, they kind of get a, a taste of, of Christianity. But then at the first sign of trouble, a mm -hmm. death in the family, financial issues or whatever, because there's no relationship in the church, they go and they go to deal with their problems, and that's understandable. But because there's no relationships, because there's no real foundation there, um, they have to deal with their, their problems, their frustrations on, them, on their own. And so what does that mean? What that means is, so in their mind, well, you know, I gave church a try, but, you know, it really wasn't for me. It really didn't make a big difference in my life. And that's not, in my opinion, that's not their fault. That's the church's fault because we're not right. opening and welcoming to folks when they come in, they be a part. Christianity is contagious. There's a reason why in the first century, you saw thousands of people come to Christ on, on a day, you know, and in one setting, okay? There's a reason why the church took off in first century and second century. It was contagious because there was now hope in lives that were hopeless and changes were coming to people 
that needed and wanted to make a change and want a purpose in their life. If we do the same thing, we bring that to folks today, man, uh, you don't have to promote that. Folks want to be a part of that. And, and that's when you start to see communities turned upside down because they've been looking for this hope all their life. And now they find out where, where they can get this hope. And, and in some cases, it was right in their own backyard in the local church to begin with. So, but once again, that starts, I believe, with us, not with them. When we start doing what we're supposed to be doing, the church, then, yeah, it'll be contagious from there. I couldn't agree more. There's a, uh, there's a saying in a, uh, in a group throughout America that's been around since, I think, the 30s. It says, uh, when the hand of the suffering reaches out, I want the hand of Christianity to be there. And for that, I am personally responsible. Right. I mean, I've, I've modified it. Anybody who knows that quote knows the original source of it. But um, I, I think that that is you're right. The greatest responsibility of the church is to welcome the sinner. And then teach them why the sin is probably not the greatest idea. But I also think you're right. I, I agree with you that we hate the sin to the point that we make people feel. And yes, I'm saying we on purpose. We make people feel like they are the problem rather than the behavior, right? That's exactly right. And we forget that we forget what is so powerful. And that is that you hear the emphasis about God. And you hear the emphasis about Jesus. But the truth of the matter is there's a third piece, and uh, that is the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to Holy Spirit. You don't have to, I'm not saying to, to, to not talk about sin, but I don't have to sit down and talk to someone about their sin. They I'm know. supposed to love them. And and I need to trust that the Holy Spirit is working in their life in the same way he works in my life. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not their Holy Spirit. I'm just a guy. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know, use that old Christian church term, okay? Yeah. Um, and God has worked in my life and, and everything and has shown me my sin and helped me to work. Um, and I continue to sin, and he continues to work in my life. So my role is not to sit down with someone and take them to lunch and start talking about their sin. Now, if they want to talk and ask questions, that's, that's great, and we'll go there. And the conversation, I think, will eventually go there. But quite honestly, it could be a long time before it goes there, because yeah. it's just a matter of me building a relationship with them and loving them. And, and you know, we've forgotten that. So anyways there there's a there's a quote since you mentioned quotes that uh is a big one for me because one of the things that the church has done is we've gotten way comfortable and i don't think that there's any evidence in the entire bible that god wants for us as christians to be comfortable he wants our lives to be uncomfortable and i don't mean that we have to sleep in a in a you know sleep on the floor and you know, live as paupers for that at all. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking right. about 
you know, our world, you know, um, being involved with folks that, you know, and in situations that, uh, man, I can't believe I was, you know, that I, that I went down and hung out with the homeless tonight. That was so weird, but so, you know, comfort like that. He wants us to, to not be comfortable um, and to get out of our comfort zones and to get about doing his work. And a lot of folks, I hear folks talk about, you know, you know, slow down. Okay. It'll come, you know, take your time. Okay. Um, and that's true. Okay. I'm not trying to rush God. I want to follow his leadings and the Holy Spirit's leadings in this. But the quote is from um, a guy that his name is Louis Giglio, but we have to live life with that sense of urgency. The stakes are too high for us to die with a small vision. And for me, that's what the church has now is a small vision or no vision. And yet there are folks every day that are dying without the hope that we have. And, and so I, you know, the time is gone for us to play games. We need to get serious about this. Serious about making a difference in people's lives. Serious about getting out of our bubbles, getting out of our comfort zones, and making that difference that God intended us to make. Um, because the stakes were too high to do anything else. Man, that is that is such an important point to make, and I think that that's a conversation that needs to be had uh, regularly. And but I mean, we've run out of time, and this has been great. I want to keep this going, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get in the way of your work. We're doing this really early in the morning. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, you said something that sparked a thought, and maybe we can end with this. Would you agree, yes or no, that building the relationship is about helping the person who has these questions and feels this way lower their own walls that they've built themselves? so that they can be personally open to the idea of accepting that God is a different way and possibly a better way. Do you think that that is the point of building a relationship instead of saying, you've got to stop doing that. Instead, we say, I just want to know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. The point is always about love. You love them and you be a, a true friend. And, um, and then God takes care of the rest. And Amen. so I, I agree with everything that you said. I, I have a hard time being a yes or no guy, but I will just say yes. Yes. Okay. Thank on it, Steve. Thank you for your time, man. I really Thank appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it also. This, uh, I'd love to do this more. Um, and this is really what, just on the podcast side of things, this is really what I want to do, guys. So. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you like the channel, like the podcast, follow it, share it, spread it among the people, because this is a conversation that should happen more often. And it's a conversation I plan on having more often. Uh, Steve, thank you again for the time. Um, I want you to know that it's valuable to me and that this means a lot. And for uh, Christ Church men, it is our personal responsibility to go and be the church, guys. So let's stay close to God and ask him what his will for us is and how we can carry that, that out and carry that to our neighborhood and be the light 
on a shelf, right? Be the city on a hill. So that's it. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for your time. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you.